Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are a bit of my journals out loud. And I'm recording this on Thursday. It's October 12th, 2023. Uh, I'm doing it ahead of time. Tomorrow is Friday the 13th. And there has been a call for what they call a day of rage. And that means an all-out attack. Uh, Whether people will answer that call or not, I do not know, but I wanted to talk about that as an idea, uh, talk about countering the idea, but I wanted to get it out before it happens for those of you who are on top of these podcasts. So we're going to take a deep breath. We're going to center. I am again in my scratchy top, so sorry if there's some feedback. Uh, If you are new, I'd like to say welcome. And uh, normally, you know, what I like to talk about in these podcasts is our nervous system as it relates to those of us who are what I call wired for danger. But you saw in the title, are we as humans wired for war or peace? And to me, I think at the end of the day, that's been my personal question that's been behind all this. Uh, You know, I'm trying to, as a therapist, as someone who's had trauma, as somebody who is very much wired for danger, as somebody who's interacted personally and professionally uh, with people with PTSD, with uh, violence, uh, and with the poor outcome and effects of current treatment modalities, and a lot of questions, and, you know, having spent time in nature and All these things, you know, kind of came together for me with a new theory idea that each of us defaults into a primary nervous system response, fight, flight, freeze, in the face of actual danger. Not so much, you know, we all have all three, not so much, you know, I'm not danger, but there's the last donut and I'm diving for it kind of thing. Not stress, oh, I got to hurry up or I'm going to miss this deadline. I'm talking about the thing that shuts you down, it makes you run, or it pushes you into the fight without any thought. It just happens. And I believe we're all wired for this default response so that as a species, as human species, we can survive because we need all three types of people to function. No single uh, response is right or wrong. It's an equal within all of us of value. And at the core of this, you know, for me has been this recognition that most people do not understand what I call the internal violence. Uh, You know, I talked about emotional dysregulation, which is that capacity to go from zero to 100, moving the microphone, sorry, uh, moving uh, from zero to 100 very quickly, good when you're trying to pull somebody out of a burning car, bad when your dog is pulling on your arm and you can't stand it one more minute, right? Or uh, you can't find a parking space after 30 minutes in a uh, parking lot, sweating and frustrated. So we all have a different emotional regulation system that is uh, driven by our nervous system. And there's a lot of things that influence that, uh, you know, whether we're, uh, 
what our hormone levels are, what time of day it is, how stressed we are, have we slept, are we hungry, uh, have we just had a big fight with someone that we care about, are we in fear, are we grieving, are we depressed, are we anxious. So it's a very complex system that I am trying to reduce to very simple concepts because as I have moved through my own understanding of the world, you can reduce everything into absolute simplicity. Now, what we're seeing around us is, you know, what looks like a, a horror show. You know, we've talked about the Ukraine-Russia situation, uh, but what's going on in the Middle East is different. And what has been shocking to me is the I don't want to say the rage and fury because it's really been the hate, the vitriol, the the uh, the level of justification to commit atrocities, and that really is what war is. And you know that to me is a really important question: Are we wired to fight a war, or is the wiring to fight and war? two different things, and what is peace in relationship to all of this? And when you are having bombs dropped on you, you cannot have these thoughts. You are all response. You are all uh, crisis. You're all trying to manage the chaos of the moment. But for those of us who are sitting physically further away with the luxury of internet and cell phones and water and food and a night's sleep and walls and some sense of security uh, behind those walls uh, and this idea that it's just something happening to them over there, you're hearing those people who are in their places of safety and comfort raging with vitriol and hate and justification for the violence, having never experienced that themselves. And most Westerners have not experienced real war. And, you know, what's always fascinating to me in this process of, you know, as I've been, uh, you know, the warrior class is what I would consider my group except I'm not accepted in that group. And so I'm trying to pull information from mostly men and then try to understand it from a woman's perspective. And knowing that, you know, I don't like to kill things, and yet at the same time, I know I'm capable of great violence. It's been a very uh, interesting process for me to go on as an internal journey. And that's, you know, what I'm trying to share because... You know, on any given day, logic says peace is better than war. Nobody wants war, except they do. But when they're in it, then they don't want it. And I think peace is the same way. I know it has been that way for me. I don't care about peace until I'm in enough pain and suffering and crisis to just give anything for a little bit of peace. And what I've noticed, you know, over the decades now is that as humans, we are better equipped to understand 
what we want by understanding what we don't want. And the great failure, you know, of the Western civilization has been complacency because in a sea of comfort and safety, we don't really care about peace because we're not under threat of war. And what's been going on for years now, and you've, I, I think it was back in 2020, you know, is when I started saying it out loud, is that we are in a war right now. But most Westerners haven't registered the war because we don't see the visual evidence like we're witnessing over in the Middle East. Uh, you'll notice that we haven't seen a lot of video come out of the Ukraine-Russia issue because that narrative is being <coughs> uh, sorry, tightly controlled uh, and manipulated, but we're seeing a lot of things coming out of the Middle East. But we don't know what's true and what's not true and, and how people are just blindly grabbing uh, quotes or clips, true or not, and stating that they're true. Uh, you know, one of the biggest ones is that idea that, that I think Hamas beheaded 40 babies. And there's no evidence to that. There's nothing that supports that as a claim. But you're hearing it said over and over and over again. And that was done a long time ago in the Gulf War with or the, which I forget the Iraqi war, whichever war is that, you know, the babies in the incubators were thrown on the floor, constant, never ending manipulation, driving us emotionally, creating division and fueling the power of our hate. And you know, as I was thinking about all, I mean, it's shocking to listen to people who are normally uh, pretty level-headed, just engulfed with this massive amount of hate for something they don't understand. I don't think most of us can really identify or understand what goes on in the Middle East because that history is extremely complex. Uh, it's a culture that Americans don't understand. Uh, if you spend any time listening to the origins of Islam or uh, some of the the religious things or, or the components of Islam, uh, it is so far uh, out of alignment with the way most of us were raised that we don't understand it as a concept in the same way that most of us are not Jewish in a very traditional way where we have a deep uh, connection to a culture and an idea. You know, most of us in Western civilization are transplants. I mean, Europeans aren't, but, you know, the um, Americans, the Canadians, the New Zealand, the Australians, we're all transplants uh, with various origin. One of my, this is a sidebar. I had this thing that the worse the test was, the more I used to disassociate. And I uh, I don't remember which test it was, but I do remember reading a 10-book fictional history of Australia as an avoidance technique. It was 10 books, so I was quite distracted. But it was really interesting, you know, and most of us know at a peripheral, you know, at a superficial level that Australia was a prison colony. It's, you know, where Britain, England, they would, uh, the United Kingdom would send over people that 
broke the rules. You know, what most people don't understand is breaking the rules was often just stealing a loaf of bread because you were hungry. Uh, And then the horrible atrocities that happened between Westerns and the Aboriginals. And similar to the things that happened between Western uh, European people and the Native Americans. Uh, And so we are so far away from our origins, we don't really have a very deep cultural, textured, uh, ingrained history within ourselves. We're just bopping along, living our lives. But it's fascinating to me to see the emotional connections being made to a culture that we don't have any real understanding of. And how we're justifying that in terms of being right or wrong. And that, you know, this term holy war is the ultimate oxymoron. What could ever be holy about war? And the concept that peace can come from violence in war, I mean, there's nothing logical about that. You know, you kill my family And then you want me to be happy about having you rule over me? Like whoever thinks that's right, quote unquote, right? In terms of I'm going to feel good about that. I'm not going to harbor resentment. I'm not going to harbor anger. And people think, well, I conquered you. Therefore, you should be grateful. I mean, the, the whole thing is so screwed up. So let's just take a moment here. So it's very complex. We have no idea what's really going on. But there has been a call for a day of rage tomorrow, Friday 13th, on Jewish people around the world. And the question has been, is that something that we're going to see, not just in the Middle East, but also in the Western world? Because here in America, we have, as we all know, wide open borders as people are crossing left and right. Uh, You know, one of the things that uh, I don't think most Americans understand is that, uh, you know, there are, it, I don't think we as a human species understand hate. We feel good about it when we get to hate somebody else. But my observation with Americans when I traveled a long time ago out of America into Europe is we don't understand how many people hate us. Uh, there's a there's a denial about Americans. There's this idea that somehow we're exceptional, we're special, we're, we don't have to follow the rules, we get to do what we want, we're great, everybody else is lesser. Uh, a lot of people around the world hate us. I mean, hate us. When I was in Europe, uh, and this was in the early 80s, I would not answer uh, if I was American, I would just say no. And I tried to do it as a neutral accent as possible, because the only people that uh, they hated more than Americans were Germans. And, you know, Canadians would wear uh, flags on their backpacks and their bodies because they didn't want to be taken for Americans, because everybody hated Americans. And this was in the early 80s in Europe, uh, where we weren't really in the throes of anything. And how much... uh, we here at home have no concept about how hated we are around the world because we have no understanding about what is being done around the world 
in our name because we have no collective memory of war on our soil. So it's easy to hate. It's easy to forget. It's easy to just uh, be unconscious and disassociated. But the time is coming where our bubble is going to get popped. Everybody's bubble is going to get popped. And, you know, talking about this nervous system stuff doesn't feel relevant, but at a deep level, you know, that has been my question. Who, how do you have peace? And are we wired for war? Are we wired to hate? Are we wired to kill? Because, you know, you've heard me say repeatedly, I like the violence within me, but I also don't like to hurt things. And I've been trying to understand this relationship with those of us who are wired to be violent and this idea that somehow uh, we are meant to be peaceful. And uh, that's the subject, you know, of, of intense process thinking and big fat books. But the simple answer is, is that there is never going to be a perfect, peaceful world. And the great mistakes that I see is that we believe peace is the absence of conflict. Uh, That's what started a lot of this for me, because I have this theory that a lot of people who are therapists and healers are very uncomfortable with conflict. Uh, People who are freeze-flight people tend to be avoiders of conflict. And for them, peace is the absence of conflict. But there's nothing about human or nature that is real that is the absence of conflict. It's the ability to manage and deal with conflict that is the challenge. And those who are, you know, what I called wired for fight, wired for danger, wired for if we want to say war, I'll get to that in a minute, that We're not afraid of conflict, but the question that we have to ask ourselves is how are we going to manage that conflict and is killing the other, the I don't want person, right? Want, don't want. Uh, I don't want you to be in my territory, so I'm going to kill you, which is what nature does. Uh, Is that really a means to achieve peace? Is that what we're wired to do? And will that always be the reason why we can never have peace is because we are wired for a violence that says it's okay to kill what we don't want. Now, these are obviously are great big complex questions because what I see happening, and this is where we all get into trouble, I need to be right, right? I can kill you because I'm right. God says it's okay for me to kill you because God is on my side and you are wrong without any capacity to understand that the person on the opposite side feels exactly the same way. But we can't process that when we're in a heightened state of emotional uh, rage. And that's that emotional dysregulation. You know, I've talked about it, uh, you know, flooding, going from zero to 100. But what we're seeing is that same emotional flooding in people, whether regardless if they're fight, flight, freeze people, because they're safe. So the 
the emotional, uh, the hyperreactivity, the intense reactivity can trigger because they're safe. There's nobody banging on your door. There's no soldier uh, pointing a gun in your face. I mean, that's what I talk about when I say wired for danger. I'm talking about that. The, when you're safe in your home, you can have a hyper-reactive emotional response, emotionally dysregulate in relationship to an idea because you're safe and comfortable. You're not going to be at the effect of what your belief system is. And so it's easy for the politicians to sit around and say, oh, you should kill everybody. Isn't that awesome? Ha, ha, ha. As they sit in their protected place of power in which they are making decisions that probably are not reflecting what most of us feel and believe and want to do. So this is so mixed up. So before I, you know, get lost, which I already kind of am, but what I really wanted to accomplish today was two things. One, I really think that this is a powerful question. Are we as humans wired for war or wired for peace? And and war is not just physical violence. It's the way we understand it. But the core of war says that uh, I get to conquer and control you because you are something I don't want. And it's very simple. It's want, don't want. So you've got two sides who can't agree. And so they have justified any action. And there are no limits in war. This idea of being wired for danger uh, is also factoring in that you are human and you can think and you can process and you can make different decisions. So it's one thing to be wired to save your life, to see the car coming and rushing out in front of the car and pulling the child away. That's a wiring system. That's a, that's a wired for danger response. Uh, it's very different to just look at that kid and say, I don't, I hate you. I'm going to let that car run you over. That's war. That's hate driven violence. And so when I talk about, I like the violence within me and only people who feel it will understand this. It's a surge of power. Uh, often it gets activated by hate, but that's, what we have to understand about the difference, that the surge of power that you feel makes you capable of creating atrocities. But mastery of self says you can step back and not act on it. I mean, you're probably always going to feel it. Uh, you know, one of the, I keep talking about uh, Musashi, the samurai, is, you know, he killed 60 people. He started at 13 was the first time he killed somebody. And his sense of self was based on this idea if he could be a master of killing. That was his strength as a man, as a samurai, his identity. But eventually, you know, he stopped, he started using a wooden sword and stopped killing the other. He would fight, but he wouldn't actually take the life. And then at the end, he just stopped doing it all together. And 
And that is mastery of self. That is culture saying that you aren't a man unless you kill somebody. And we have a lot of men. We have a lot of culture that says you are not a real man until you kill somebody. Uh, you know, I've shared this story before. My One of my favorite uh things that I've seen happen. Uh, I don't really like most charities, but there's a woman, she was from Egypt. Uh, she, I don't know how she ended up in this African village, but she lived there a year. She observed what was going on. And part of the initiation into being a man was killing a lion. Well, the lion, because the lions would kill the livestock. And so they would go out as a young man. That was their rite of passage was to kill the lion. And because the uh, the lion population is at risk. It's declining. She came up with this idea and she switched the culture, but she observed. She didn't just walk in and announce this is what she was going to do. So she got to know the people. She got to know the culture. She got to understand why it was important to be a man in this way. And she was able to shift the perspective from killing the lion as a, as a rite of passage to being able to protect the lion as a rite of passage. And at the same time, work on techniques to keep the livestock alive. So it doesn't mean that, you know, eventually here and there a lion has to be killed. But the whole culture shifted from killing as a rite of passage as a man to protecting as a rite of passage to a man. And I thought that was such a beautiful example because that's taking that same feeling that I'm talking about and using it in a way that is constructive and, and promotes saving life without this idea that the only way I can save a life is to take a life. And so these are complex thoughts that are also very simple. Uh, I don't believe we are wired for war. I believe we are emotionally immature and believe that to get what I want, I have permission to kill you so that you so that I don't get what I don't want, right? So I don't want you to come into my territory, so I'm going to kill you. And that's how nature operates. Nature kills for food and territory, you know, protecting their young. But they don't do random killing for the most part. There's no like, oh, I'm bored. I'm going to go out and kill something, which is what humans do. Uh, oh, you know, the Native Americans used to make war on each other just to keep their war fighting skills honed. Well, I don't really want to die because you want to practice your bow and arrow and your horseback riding. But that was rational in their minds. That was their capacity to to uh, function was to justify uh, war. Now, what's interesting about some Native American cultures is that the women were the peace council and the men were the war council, but the men couldn't go to war unless the peace council, the women, said it was okay. And and that's sort of been my next round of thinking on the masculine and the feminine and the balancing of those two things. And what is our role as the feminine? Because I don't think it's men or women. I think ma war is a masculine energy and peace is a feminine energy. Uh, justice is a masculine energy. You know, peace is, a fe is the feminine. So I think there's a way to, to balance all this at the energetic level. But right now we're just witnessing how these things 
escalate out of control, how we're being emotionally manipulated. And now we're hearing this call for violence tomorrow. And I wanted to put this out, and I didn't mean to put this this far back at the end of the podcast, but it's a moment where we get to decide how we want to react to this, whether we want to be passive and just say, oh, well, it's not my problem, disassociate, that's a freeze response. Uh, Do we want to run away? We want to turn it all off. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to understand. I just want to go back and uh, watch my movie, right? Or as a Wired for Danger person, you know, we're looking at it and we want to do something. We want to move towards it. And I think the most powerful thing we could do to move towards it, and this is open to anybody because remember, we're all three responses at any given time, is that the most powerful thing we can do is to hold the idea of peace. We can pray for peace. We can be the peace within that goes out into the ethers because all of our justification of hate never will bring peace. And it isn't rocket science as we're watching what's going on there to think, I don't want that here, even though it's probably coming here. And that when we're in that crisis place, when we start to have our own war on our own soils, we aren't going to have a lot of energy to do this peace thing or this prayer thing because we're going to be in a lot of fear. That's going to be a whole separate conversation. But right now we're safe. We're comfortable. We're living in our bubble. I'm like in my little truck bubble with all the foil up in the windows to block out the light. Uh, just as an update, I did, you know, move. And so I'm kind of, I guess I'm okay. I'm, I don't like really being by myself and not a traditional campground because it feels a little uncomfortable. But the town I'm near is, if you've ever been to Snowflake or Taylor, Arizona, everybody's lawns are perfect. Their livestock is all in town and fenced up. Everything is so orderly. It doesn't feel scary at all in terms of a town. But and I haven't seen anybody that's creeped me out at all. But uh, but we're in our bubble. I'm in my bubble right now with my little twinkly lights and the dogs are sleeping. And I'm looking at my uh, little phone here, talking to you wherever you are in the world. And we're in our little bubbles right now. And this is the moment where we have the capacity to choose which response we want, to intentionally decide how we want to think and feel and act, because we're not in a crisis where the people within the crisis right now are unable to do this. So taking away the right or wrong, the the belief of justice or whatever you've got going on with that, taking a moment to be the peace, of sending the peace into the ethers, of holding the peace vibration, energy, frequency uh, within this moment because we have the luxury of doing that. And and to me, that's one of the things, you know, I've really noticed is that we only know what we want when we bump up against what we don't want. And right now we're having a window to what we don't want. I don't want war for anybody I really don't want war on my soil. And so part of being mature 
isn't waiting for the crisis in the moment to tell me what I want and what I don't want. So if the bombs start dropping, you bet I'm praying for peace, right? As I'm running away or limping as I would be with the dogs pulling me as the bombs are going off, right? Thank God they can make me move faster. That you want peace then, there's no doubt that you want peace when you're getting bombs dropped on you. But when you're comfortable and you're making your coffee this morning or this afternoon or you're checking the news or you're, you know, cleaning up the dishes, it doesn't feel like a big deal. Peace is not powerful when we're in a point or moment of complacency. And that's why I don't think we're really wired for peace either. I think we're wired to choose and we're wired to respond. But I think that's being the emotionally mature person is choosing what we want without having to be blasted with the energy of what we don't want. And right now, there's a bunch of people getting bombed in Ukraine, in the Middle East, and maybe all over the world tomorrow, Friday the 13th. That's always an ominous day. And I don't want to wait for that. I would rather have that just disappear as an idea, of have it not happen. And that's sort of the... the uh, one of the issues is that when you are moving into prevention, right, you never get to know if what you did worked, right? You're like, oh, you know, predictions are like that. Well, it didn't come true. So therefore, you don't know what you're doing. But how do you know that it wasn't by talking about that prediction, you shifted the energies in the ethers and made it not happen. And that's really what prayer is, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the future, but we're trying to hold the energy of what we hope we want, we believe to be the best course for all of us. And it is only when we're at war, whether it's the war in our home, whether it's the war in our health, uh, whether it's the war in our finances, whether it's the war in our government, uh, or whether it's real war on the soil with soldiers, when we're in a war, which is a whole bunch of I don't want moments, then we do know that we want peace. And we are capable of both war and peace, regardless of who we are. And we're in this moment right now where we can choose to hold energy, focus, love, uh, powerful thought, however, emotion, whatever you believe about prayer or however you pray. We have the luxury of doing that for people because we are in a bubble of safety and comfort and we can be complacent. Oh, it's not happening to me. I don't care. And there's a lot of people that function in this world. If it's not happening to me, I don't care. But all I know is that when I'm in a crisis, the greatest kindness I can have or receive is when somebody who's in a place of comfort can care, right? Can offer me a a branch, a kindness, a hand. It is when you're in the crisis itself, you're really not that capable of reaching for the energy of peace. But when we're comfortable, we have that luxury of taking a moment and really holding the energy of what we want for others, including ourselves. And 
hate never makes anything better. And we are confusing this idea that by being right, it gives me permission to hate you. And I can't think of any anything in which I want someone to look at me and say, they are right and they can hate me. True or not true, right? There's nothing about hate that we want to receive. So why do we feel so justified in giving hate to the other? Because we don't want it. So why would we think that we're justified in having it? Which isn't justice. I'm talking about the energy of hate. And hate is a violent energy. It's a low frequency. Uh, It's tied up with fear. But fear tends to make us weak. Hate makes us feel powerful. It gives us justification to make war. Hate never invites peace. You know, there's a, I've used this quote before, uh, and that is, uh, there's no more sacred ground than where an ancient hate has been laid to rest. And I think about that in the Middle, in the Middle East because there's this unbelievably long history of hate in that region. Now, here's where we're just human. I can't tell you or I won't tell you where I get that quote from because it creates fear and hate in people who don't understand that source. So they make it wrong and it must be evil because it's not part of their, your uh, belief system. But if you just hear it on its own, it's hard to disagree with that. If you don't want hate, why would you think giving it to others makes sense? If you want, oh, where's my microphone? If you want peace, what are we really doing to bring that forth? Now, we can't go over there. Money isn't going to solve this problem. Uh, fighting to the death never creates peace. War never creates peace. It only creates the, creates the awareness that it's valuable. But the act of war always creates more war down the road because they harbor, you know, those who, who quote unquote lose will always harbor that memory of being conquered and controlled. And that does not make me feel happy or peaceful. We're experiencing that in our government right now. We are being conquered and controlled. And most of us are like F you, right? There's a great big F you thing happening within a lot of people. And we will see the backlash that will probably look like war. But it's when the violence starts that we recognize that we want peace. And that's The moment that we have right now is the decision, the choice, the ability in our bubble of safety, comfort, and complacency to decide that I can take a few moments and put the power of peace into the ethers because I have the ability to give that right now. And so I hope that if you're listening to this on Thursday and on Friday, that you can put that energy out and the best thing that can happen is that nothing will happen. So there'll be no uh, reward, there'll be no justification, there'll be no pat on the back, there'll be no uh, 
admiration or accolades. It's just the quiet knowing that you are contributing to the power of what can be peace by not participating in all the energies that create war. Because it's just want versus don't want. It's very simple. It's just that we use all the details of righteous justification to make the other wrong. And so therefore I can kill you. And that may sound good on your side, but when you're the one being killed, I'm pretty sure that's not going to feel great. And I don't say this because I think there's an answer to any of this. I say this because these are the moments where we get to decide who and what we want to be in the world as both human and spirit, because we're both. And we have a nervous system response for survival, but we also have a spirit that can't be killed, that can participate at an energetic level, regardless of what's happening. And so I'm appealing to the heart and the spirit within you to take a moment to not think about who's right and who's wrong, to not choose hate as a righteous energy because you believe the other person deserves to be killed, but rather step back and understand that there's no universe where you want somebody to hate you and kill you. And peace will be desired then when you are faced with that soldier pointing the gun in your face. So I think that all we can do at this moment is to decide how we want to spend this moment. And so You know, all of these podcasts are really about exercising the mastery of who we are within ourselves and how that spreads out into the world. But it's also because no one's going to know. This is about you. It's not about anybody uh, giving you anything. It's just about that personal satisfaction. And that's, you know, what I really liked about Musashi is he didn't change his mind because he wanted to be famous. He actually withdrew with what gave him fame, uh, retreated into a cave and decided to write things down. So deep breath, my friends, Uh, I am going to take a moment as I complete this to be the truth that I want. And as much as I like the rush of the violence within me, I do not like anybody being hurt because of it. And that's my own personal uh, idea of how to master that within myself and that the decision to hold the idea of peace is the thing I can do right now because uh, it's dark, it's quiet, we're safe, we're caffeinated, that's important. (laughs) And I'm sharing this with you that we can choose peace because we have the luxury of doing that right now, regardless of what's going on in our personal life or out in the world. And in a simple decision of what I want and what I don't want, I like peace more than I like war. I want peace more than I want war. And I want peace for all those who are suffering in the throes of just overwhelming hate right now. 
So let us make this sacred ground and lay ancient hate to rest and choose love, choose peace, choose the truth of who we are in spirit while we can't do much about what's happening in the physical world. We have absolute power to choose what's going on in our heart and spirit. So with that, the sun is getting ready to come up. We're going to take a deep breath. The dog heard me and stood up. And I, my friends, will hopefully see you next time.